Welcome to Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, a luxury interior designer and construction expert. Educated at the New York School of Interior Design and employed by AD Top 100 firms, I have created a niche expertise in managing large-scale construction projects from renovations to new builds over the past three decades. Today, I'm on a mission to instill confidence in designers through this podcast and my online course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. Whether you are new to construction management or a seasoned designer like me, I am all about transparency and tactical advice for fellow designers. On this podcast, I share actionable steps, practical tips, real-life examples, and behind-the-scenes tricks that I use while managing construction projects. Not only will they keep them on schedule and on budget, but will give you the confidence to know that these projects will end successfully, protecting your profit as well as leading to a pipeline full of incredible referrals. If you've been searching for support and advice on construction management to grow your skills and confidence so you can avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past, then you're in the right place. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for being a part of this community. Your listens, subscribes, and reviews are what allows me to make this show great week after week. I've got lots of plans for growing this podcast, and that's enabled by you. Make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoy this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your interior design friends how much they can learn from this show. Today's conversation was really a privilege for me to talk with one of our course members, Ellie Redders. When a designer joins my signature course, the Interior Designer's Guide for Construction Management, I always want to know more about them, their background, what motivated them to seek out more information about construction management. And so my first step is to jump on their website. And Ellie's website really stood out for me because she uses cutting edge technology to present her projects to her clients. And this was at least six, eight months ago that I saw this and she and I started a conversation and I said, I really want to get you on the show to talk about this because there's so much designers can learn. I was learning along with each of you while you're listening to this podcast. So Ellie Redders is a seasoned and endearing design leader behind her full service firm, Ellie Redders Interiors, based in St. Louis. For over a decade, Ellie has earned a widespread reputation for her cutting-edge professional practices and processes, integrity in her partnerships, and her innate ability to design elevated yet comfortable family spaces. She is a household name in her area, and her work has graced the pages of House Beautiful, El Decor, and the St. Louis Homes Magazine. Ellie works with a wide range of clients, from surgeons to attorneys, professional athletes, and entrepreneurial families. They have all relied on Ellie to successfully navigate the ins and outs of the luxury, new build, and massive, large-scale home renovation process. As a seasoned entrepreneur and designer, Ellie has developed a highly organized process paired with the use of cutting-edge technology to support clients visualizing their exact specific selections and furnishings before making costly decisions or mistakes. 
And this is the direction of our conversation because Ellie Redders has integrated VR technology, virtual reality technology in her presentation to clients, architects, and builders, and it's really badass. I walked away with so many notes of my own. I know you will as well. I think it is so insanely cool what designers are doing in their own practices. And the icing on the cake is that they will share all of their knowledge and advice with each of us. And if any designers are interested in researching this further, Ellie and her team have created a step-by-step instructional checklist along with a video that is available on her website. Go to her website, ellieredersinteriors.com, and click through on the virtual reality tab to get more information. And as always, these links will be in the show notes. I can't wait for you to hear how exciting it could be integrating something like VR technology to your presentations. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. I am so excited. Ellie doesn't realize I have been thinking about this episode for about a year or so when I first saw her website, and she is here to help all designers kind of explore the possibilities of how to present and communicate your designs. So please, let's all welcome Ellie Redders. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I have been listening to you for a while now and took your construction management course that has been extremely beneficial. So I'm excited to chat with you today. And that's how I came across, uh, first came across Ellie's website. I always go out and see where everybody's from and what they're up to. And I came upon, I'm going to let Ellie explain it, but I came upon the coolest thing I had seen. And I have to admit, I told Ellie earlier, I have never seen a designer implement virtual reality in their presentation to their clients. So Ellie, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you are, what type of projects you work on and and how on earth you started using VR. Okay. So I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and I have owned my company. It'll be 14 years in November, 14 or 15. And I a speech language pathologist by trade. So in order to be a speech path, you have to have your master's. And so I went to school for a good amount of time, got my master's and did it uh, for, I worked as, as a speech path for seven years and then had my first son and, and decided to stay home. Um, and I loved talking to people. I loved helping people as a speech path, but I didn't necessarily love the fact that I just felt like I could never kind of check things off my list with it. It was kind of an ongoing thing. So I needed to have like some completion, I think, and just kind of always felt like I had things hanging out there. My husband and I are not from St. Louis. And so St. Louis to me is extremely fascinating because there's little suburbs all around and each suburb has its own vibe and its own feel and its own architecture. And so we would buy a house, live in it for a year and a half to two years. I would do fun stuff in it and um, kind of, it wasn't necessarily flipping it, but I would, I would make it awesome. (laughs) And then we would sell it and then we would find another one in a different area. And so we got to experience different architecture and different pockets of St. Louis that way. In doing so, 
my friends from college were like, you need to stop doing this for you guys or, you know, and do this for other people. And of course I was like, well, who's going to hire me? I mean, that's silly. I, you know, I don't have a degree in this. And, and I guess the reason I talk about the master's in speech path is obviously education to me is a huge piece because I had to have that to do my other career. So I felt super inadequate or like I couldn't even go in front of anybody if I didn't have these like credentials behind me. So I did get certified and I did, so I did take some online courses and I also did some stuff at the community college to um, at least feel like I had some education behind me. Then I started and it, you know, it grew slowly over time, but kind of like you and I have talked about podcasts are a huge piece of my growth. And I think that maybe about three years ago, maybe four years ago now was when I first started really honing in and digging into podcasts. And that for me changed the trajectory of my business. I, I listen to them on walks. I listen to them in the car. I listen to them constantly and I'll walk into my office and say, okay, you guys, I was listening to this podcast and they're all like, no, please. No. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, what do we have to do now? What are we going to change now? You know? But um, anyways, it's been a huge piece of it. So I guess that all being said, I think that this is how we help each other grow and learn and all kind of get on this more of the same page with our industry too, which is huge. Absolutely. And and Ellie and I were talking beforehand. She has, and she can speak to this, an office of five and she considers herself a midsize boutique firm. And I said, most of the people listening would consider that a large firm. And so there's so many designers working alone and or just with an assistant. And so to not have the podcasts that are out there and obviously well beyond mine, I listen to tons of design podcasts. It, it is such a, it's, it's almost, you know, a form of a community, even though we don't see each other in person, but to hear, mm-hmm. even if people are telling me things I've done and do well right now, it's, it's a form of, of, it reassures yes. me that, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing it right. I don't need to work on this, but this category, I definitely need to dig into. And so it's just that form of community that I think is, is really difficult to find in our industry because frankly, I'm, unless I'm in a design center, which I do go to, but not regularly, you know, depends on the job, but I'm typically on a job site with a bunch of guys or I'm with my client. (laughs) There's not a lot of, you know, give and take or, Hey, what are you doing? That's interesting. And what are you doing? That's working well. And I'm really struggling with this where podcasts kind of filled that void. And Ellie and I both talked about how amazing that would have been to have had as a, as a, access to back, especially when I was, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, trying to forge my own path. It completely, yes, exactly. So, so definitely I am very self-taught on multiple levels. Like I also don't have a business degree, right? And so the business piece of the podcast are also crucial in the, in the sense of, you know, just having processes in place and a contract in place and, you know, all of those things that protect you and also make you a better designer for your clients. Because, you know, oftentimes, clearly, if we're doing if we're designers, and we have this business, you know, we do this for our profession. We have that 
bath for it. We have that being able to visualize putting things together and, and that piece of it. But so much of our jobs now, and especially if you're doing construction management and that piece of it is a lot more of managing and, you know, tracking and just making sure the job runs smoothly and gets completed and doesn't go crazy over budget, you know, all of those pieces of it that, again, when I started, this was never where I thought I would be. And so with each phase, I've had to dig into, which is why I took your construction management course. I was doing it. I have been doing it. But um, I was running up against, you know, obviously issues like we all have on every and thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? And how do these things keep happening to me? And what can I do better? You know, and that type of thing. Yeah, I would so, say uh, yeah. probably the the weakest skill designers have, and I, I don't like to paint with a broad brush, but I'm included in this, is is the business savvy. And yeah. and we don't always understand how important that piece is until sadly it can be precarious and or too late. And I really do recommend, and, and obviously this, this podcast, we talk solely and specifically about construction management for a reason, because it's not spoken about enough, Mm -hmm. if at all. But there are so many podcasts, like Ellie just said, that talk about the processes, talk about the systems that need to be in place in order to support you. I mean, it's essentially like a team player. If you have all of these systems in place to to support you. Exactly. And I think that's, I don't know, we might not be quite ready to lead to the VR part yet, but that does a little bit segue for me into, for me, the VR piece of it is another system that is in place to support us, which then internally supports our clients, which also supports our builders and our architects and our trades people. Um, that's incredible. So I think and you're absolutely that's, right. That's another yeah, system. Yep. It, it, and that's how we view it. And, and again, so many designers do the 3D rendering. So that's even that's another system. And that's, we just took it one step further because we were already doing the 3D renderings, And I was seeing how that was a game changer in our business and how it was selling jobs so much faster. And we were all able to get on the same page so much easier. So so how did this once, start? I mean, I yeah. have. A, I told Ellie, my son has a VR. I've played with it. He loves the games on it. And I, I kind of joke, I'm not you know, people think, oh, you must be like Martha Stewart. And the difference between Martha Stewart and myself, this may make some of you laugh, is I see a tongue depressor as, and as an object to hold a tongue down, whereas she can come up with like the most crafty uh, projects. Like, my brain doesn't work that way. So I would mm-hmm. never have looked at my son's VR and been like, how can I implement that into my business? It's okay. just not how my brain works. So that is interesting. It really came from the... Okay, so you in your 3D renderings, you can do kind of a walkthrough, right, on your computer. Right. So it kind of came from that where I was like, there's, I don't, and I don't even know, I was like, there's got to be a way that we could put ourselves in there and actually walk around in there. And then I started, you know, I don't know, I just started thinking about it because same, my son has VR too, and I have worn it and put it on and done the games and done the scary things, um, which... I've been on the floor with that headset on thinking I was crawling through some, you know, kind of jungle or something and fascinated by it. It is fascinating. 
this is insane. You are literally, you feel like you are there. And so I think I just, I don't, I really, honestly, that's, I should have figured that out, but I don't know how it was. However, I will say this. I had this intern at the time. She went to KU and she was in their design architecture design program. And I was training her and, you know, she was, I was had, you know, classes for her to take too on like how to do the, how to do the renderings and things like that. She was getting ready to graduate. And so I knew I wanted to hire her and I was interviewing her and I said to her, I really want to figure out a way that we can use the headset with the renderings. I know there's a way I've been researching it. I just don't know yet what it is. And she said, oh my gosh, we just started learning about this and talking about this at school. And I was like, yeah. And I was and and right there. I was like, this is so meant to be, you know, like we're doing it. We're going to do it. And so she was like, okay, that's, that's it. She's like, that will be like, that was kind of her sole focus for me. The first six to nine months that she was working for me was really getting that up and off the ground. So what we found that we were shocked by, and this, I'm hoping that with some more research and, um, you know, with some more digging and even just learning right now, we always thought it was going to be the Oculus. You know, the Oculus is the big headset, right? And the main one. And we thought it was going to be like the newest one that was going to work. So we got it and all that. It doesn't. It doesn't work with our programs. So we use SketchUp and Enscape. And there's all these plugins and all these things you have to do. And we thought that that was the one that was going to work. And so again, trial and error, trial and error. It really is one of the older models that were that is supported by, yeah. So I'm hoping and praying that, and I and I know it's going to happen. The newer ones are going to they're going to make it work because it can be not as clear as maybe we would want it to be sometimes or something like that. But I guess the point in all of this is that me not being technically trained in interior design. And, you know, floor plans and all of that thing. I've, I've learned and I've taught myself, obviously, how to read a floor plan and, and you know, um, construction drawings and, you know, those at CAD and all that kind of stuff. But I know from my standpoint how I struggled with that and how I still do kind of struggle with it. So then I know that my clients, you know, they're not in this every day and they they struggle with it. And so you're trying to explain things to them and you can tell like they're kind of getting it, but they're not really. And so that's where like the rendering piece of it came from so that they could see their rooms. And, you know, we put in the lighting, the flooring, we, you know, we model the exact things because we also are a full service design firm where we do sell sofas and rugs and lighting and all of that stuff for our projects. So for them to be able to see that, that I could tell was they were buying into that well with the renderings. But to take it one step further for the new builds and the renovations, which is where I felt like I was struggling more getting my ideas across to the architects and the builders. I knew that being able to go this route and put on the headset and walk through, people could really feel and see how much space you really do have between your island and your cooktop, you know, counter or you know, in your bathroom, between your shower and your vanity, those types of things to really be able to put into perspective, that piece of it has been a game changer for us. And for me, like I said, I think the second I put that on, 
I get 10 times more creative in what I can specify for my clients and light bulbs go on for me where I can make that room or that renovation or that whole new build 10 times more elevated than it would have been if I didn't have that. And it's not like it's going to cost them that much more to do it on the front end. Right. So they can It doesn't cost as much to do it on the front end. Exactly. So I think that is where, and then us talking to builders and architects, and they're starting to see that too. And so they're starting to promote us and bring us on earlier. Whereas oftentimes I feel like we get brought on after the plans are already in place and done. And we come in and we might have ideas and suggestions because, oh, well, if you put the window here, then you know you can't, you don't, you're not going to want to put your bed there or, you know. Yeah. So on the front end. Yeah. um, Ellie and I were talking about this before we started recording and inevitably we are one of the last to be brought on. And, and actually if we're lucky, it's before construction has started. (laughs) Sadly, sometimes we're brought on because construction has started and all hell is broken loose. But I can't tell you, Ellie, when you were just saying that, how many times I've told a client when they're looking at a floor plan, let's say of a living room or a family room and a coffee table, you know, is in front of a sofa or a sectional. And they're like, well, it looks a little crowded. You know, can you tighten it up? Look, in reality, your coffee table might be 15 inches in front of your sofa in real life, go home and measure it. I said, if I draw it that way, it's going to look like a mistake because 15 inches at quarter inch scale looks like it's tight. And I said, so sometimes these drawings have to be, you know, I don't want to say faked because they're not, but they have to be massaged to make it look correct. But in reality, yeah, that coffee table is much closer than on that drawing. Yes. And I think that for me is difficult to yeah. get um, kind of like you and I were talking about where you say you see in 3d. And so that computes for you very easily. I know that in my head, but when I see it on a plan or on a piece of paper, I sometimes have to remind myself yeah. just like, just like we do with a client. And right. so it, it definitely helps me again. Like when I see it all laid out or whatever, I'll be like, Oh gosh, we actually do have room for, One more piece over here or we actually, you know, I would love it if we did this wall treatment, because guess what? When I'm in this room now, it all looks, there's a whole lot more wall space than I thought there was going to be. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, we need to do some kind of, you know, cool, you know, trim work to elevate that. So all those things start sparking for, for me when I do it that way. And then, and then it's a much easier sell for my client when they see it, then they're like, Oh yeah, that does make sense. Cause if I got in there and I had all these walls that I would have to fill with artwork, but instead we're going to do a fun wood treatment and some wallpaper that just yes, you know, brought that room to life now. And for those listening, I'll be honest. I did not see that angle. Ellie and I talked about this before we started recording. I thought it was solely for the clients. And then when she told me, it actually is for me, Renee, I can be more creative. It was amazing. I I really hadn't thought of that angle, but it makes total, total sense that you would then see things. Because I'll be honest, there are times I walk into a space and I, I did tell Ellie, I do see in 3D. And I'll be honest, I thought that was, quote, normal until I got to grad school. 
for design and my friends couldn't do that. And I thought, oh, wait, I, oh, okay, well, maybe we can teach you that. And I, yes, I think you can teach to a point, but mm-hmm. there are times in full, full honesty that I'll walk into a room and I'm like, oh, damn, that wall is pretty tall. And yes. now we got to get some art going real fast because yes. I, you know, I see in 3D to maybe nine or 10 feet, but you know, when there's a vaulted ceiling and you know how the architects love to do that or a two-story entry, sometimes that volume gets away from you. Even for me who can see pretty clearly and confidently in 3D from a a, uh, floor plan. So that's, that's a game changer. It's a total game changer for a designer. It really is. We just did one the other day. This is interesting. She actually found us. This is the first one since again, this is pretty new. This is new for us. I mean, we've been doing it now a year, but we're still marketing it. We're still getting the word out. We're still meeting with builders and architects. And because you can say it, but until they put it on, it's one of those things that it's so hard to market because people are like, yeah, it, it looks like a rendering. Well, yeah, of course. But until you put the headset on, it's it's just a whole different perspective. Well, for those of you listening, there is a cool video on Ellie's homepage, and we will have that link in the the show notes that shows it, shows someone in her office putting it on, and and you really do see a difference. It's actually a very, very well-designed video, because I think it would be very hard to communicate that through, even through a video, but but for sure through words. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So it is really hard to market it. So... I have, it's funny because I have met with builders and I've explained it. And then one in particular called me, I don't know, three or four months later. And he's like, I've been thinking about that VR thing you were talking about. He's like, I have a client. We can't figure out what to do. And it was the whole vaulted type of a thing. If they wanted the vault to continue in their great room into their kitchen, or if they wanted it to come down in their kitchen, but stay in their great room. And he's like, can you do that and have them put on the headset? And will that help them? I'm like, yes, it will. And it did. We did it. They put on the headset. They made a decision. For them, that was what they needed to be able to make that decision. And this was before, obviously, like ground had even been broken. So once again, instead of after the fact, when they walk in and they're like, well, I was thinking, I don't love how this is. Well, then that's a change order and it's a huge expense and it slows the process down. And frankly, that's when builders don't like us. (laughs) Yep. When, when we, yes, yes, when we come in and the plans are pretty much solidified, and then we're like, hey, you know, and you might architects' knickers get in twists when designers yes. come in and change their plans. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, so tell me, so walk goal, us through yeah. that process. So, this guy calls you up, the contract, mm-hmm. I mean, the builder, and you obviously, so if you go out and market this, so let's take a step back. If you go out and you're meeting with a builder, you obviously have other people's projects in your you know, possession and you can have them walk through, put the headset on and walk through their projects. But yeah. in this case, you were technically asked to just do this one sliver of a project. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do you, how, how do you go from what he's asking to, and I'm assuming, and I shouldn't assume to a rendering, but you have to do obviously something to that rendering to make it work with a VR. So how complicated or how expensive, how much time Uh goes into that now? And of course, there's a learning curve. And if you've been doing it a year, I would imagine you can be, you know, more fluid and and quicker. Sure. Sure. So, okay. And this is, 
this took me a while to kind of wrap my head around as well. Cause I'm like, okay, well we're doing the renderings anyways. So why does the next piece of it have to add more time or money, you know, to it? And it does because when you're doing just a rendering, you can do just that viewpoint, right? You're building in just that one view. When you're doing the Oculus, the VR piece of it, you have to build the entire space so that when they put the headset and they look around, everything's built out for them within that space. You're doing many different views. You're building the whole thing versus just building the kitchen, right? right. Or, you know, the, or, or a piece of the kitchen, like one view of the kitchen. Right. Um, so, so you're building four walls and possibly yes. if you have sight lines, you're building those in as well. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, that's much more complicated. Correct. And and not only more complicated, but therefore then obviously more time consuming. Right. And then from our standpoint, because we do, you know, most of our stuff that we do also includes, you know, the lighting and the wallpaper and the flooring and the bar stools, you know, we're building all that as well. We're modeling those. We're not just plunking in from the program. Um, so that's also very a lot more time consuming. However, like I said, it does it sells that product for us or that look for us. So it's worth it. So much of it, it's it, it seems and it is, it's pricey at the front end, right? But it eliminates so much on the back end. Again, you you know, show the contractor, the contractor comes and walks through it and he's like, Oh my gosh, I totally see what's happening now. And it eliminates a lot of questions. So, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Have you ever done it in, in two phases? So yes. let's say you do a design concept. So you maybe you, so let's say it's a kitchen, right? It's a kitchen and an eat-in area. Maybe you use the library images for generically close enough to sort of the look you're going to go for, but not the exact table and chairs and bar stools and lights, but you want to do a pendant. So you do something that's similar and then they approve that and is it possible that that's enough for them? Because I do have some clients who are fully mm-hmm. well-versed enough or understand enough or have, you know, whatever, visualize enough to say, okay, that's not the pendant Renee's going to use, but it's going to be, you know, similar in scope or, or similar in size or what have you. And so they could actually do like a part A versus a part B. But then those, I trust me, I have plenty of clients who literally like, but you said it wasn't going to be brown. Yeah, I, I know. And it's not going to be brown, right? And, and and therefore, that they would need both sections, right? So you're selling them on your design concepts. And then once you've made all those selections, because I would think, just in my own experience, if I had to specify everything down to the wallpaper and all that, that experience through the VR would yes. be much further along in the process than then some of my clients would feel, they'd be like, well, why bother then? Although, trust me, huge value. I, yes, that's a really good question. Yes, we can do, we do it in phases and we have it broken down. So the first phase is just a basic floor plan situation where they're putting in, you know, we're putting in boxes for the cabinets, right? It might not even be anything of the color at that point that we would be picking. Okay. Um, yes, a placeholder for the table and the right. Hundred percent. Yes. So there's a price point for that. So we do we do by the square footage. So we'll get up the plans from the architect or the builder, and we'll that way we can know 
real quick. If we're going to do the whole house, it's X. If we're going to do sometime, like for this particular one, we only did the kitchen, the eat-in area and the great room because that's where they were in the foyer and the sunroom part. So that's <laughs> what that part was all connecting. And that's where the roof line and all of that were in the tresses and all that were, that was what was in question. That is all they hired us for. That was it. So that's what we did. And then what happened is though, I say that was it, but then it did go the, it, it went one more level for them. It went to the next level of, can you get the measurements of our furniture that we're going to be bringing along with us? And can you put it in there and show us? And so we did that. And so that was the next part. So we charge, you know, a certain amount for that. And then the third step is the actual, we then we start putting in the actual pieces that we've sourced. And then the fourth step is, you know, everything, the wall treatments, the, so yes, they can do it in levels. And typically that's what ends up happening because as people move through the process, they're like, oh shoot, I totally can't envision this room. Can you do that for me now? I bet. So it kind of grows. A total slippery um, slope. Yes. Because it it's so good. Helpful. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so tell me this with new builds, I'm obviously not creating the drawings, the architects creating drawings. Yes. They will sometimes send me the drawing files. Typically, they'll send me PDFs. But Mm -hmm. do you have to then redraw from scratch? So it depends. It depends on how the architect, how they create it. So because that could be pricey, right? That could be very time consuming. Um, So one we had to do recently with a whole new build, like a, you know, yeah, 7,000 square foot new build. And the architect did only hand drawing. And so that, uh uh-huh, it was something. So we had, that was a big deal. So we had to take that and put that in our system. So that was a a much bigger deal. The ones that do them on um, CAD, you can totally incorporate or Revit. We can incorporate into ours. So it's, it's, it's a big time saver for sure. Okay. And they'll send them to us like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me also ask you this, because uh, there's constantly a debate. 3D renderings, of course, have just come light years from when they were first being done. And there are, I feel like there's two camps, and I probably will get some emails about this to to defend their camp. There's a camp Mm. of designers who like the, I I call it kind of that mid-level 3D rendering. It shows the colors, the shapes, the this, the that, but it's not photorealistic. And then there's the other camp that likes the photorealistic. And the arguments I hear, you know, it's interesting. I buy into both the arguments. The arguments for the photorealistic is this is how my client sees exactly what they're going to get. And then Mm -hmm. the the mid-level ones that are that are much better than the original versions we used to, you know, cobble together years ago. Sure. They say, you know, it 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 makes me anxious that a client would mm-hmm. say, well, where is this green vase that's on the, you know, whatever, the shelf next to the fireplace. And, you know, I feel like it it really, you know, ties my hands and and doesn't let me change anything once that 3D rendering is out. And so I it's interesting. I could I get both arguments, right? I actually, you know, I try to always assign a client. I'm like, okay, for this client, yeah, I would never have done photorealistic because she's constantly sort of massaging things, not maybe the big things, but massaging all the other stuff. And then I have other clients, I'm like, oh my God, that would have been awesome to have had this yes. woman, you know, to do this basically exactly what you're going to walk into. So yours online, I will say, I was checking out the video. They're close, but they're not 
it shows, you know, Ellie will show, you know, yeah. this is the VR and then this was the real room. And some yeah. of it has changed. You know, the bar stores yes. went from white to gray. And do yeah. you find that that trips you up at all? Okay. So a couple things. First one is you are right about what you're saying as far as no kind of being like, oh yeah, this would work for this one. And then this one would work for this one. The hard part of that is a lot of times you don't know that until you're too far gone. Right. Yep. (laughs) So it's how we all feel about all of our jobs. Right. We're always like, Ooh, that, you know, had I known that now I would have done this different. Right. So that is hard. We constantly tell people when we are doing those, we will say like, until you have physically purchased or, you know, like signed the proposal to purchase these items, these could change because let's face it, something could come on back order that we originally thought we were going to use. So we put it in there and then all of a sudden, oh no, that's not available now for eight months. And so we pivot. So I think what it comes down to is, again, it is a constant communication with your client where you're saying, keep in mind, you know, some of these furniture pieces could change or some of this artwork could change until you absolutely have paid your proposal and we've ordered you know, some of this might be tweaked, but we would try to find something similar. Right. Um, you know, that type of thing. I will say this. We struggle a little bit between some of our different programs too, because we have several. We use, so I said earlier, we use SketchUp and Enscape for the Oculus piece of it, for the virtual reality piece of it. We use Cohum for if we are only doing a 3D rendering because it looks... So much, there's something about that program that we like the way the renderings look better just as renderings. So that has also become tricky for us. This is where I was talking earlier about we are still researching and still trying to find the best programs that work with the virtual reality piece because I sometimes have to say, I sometimes am a little disappointed when I put on the headset of like, the quality, like I know the other renderings we do are so much better. Right. But <laughs> if we do, but if we're doing the virtual re- reality piece of it, which is so helpful, it's right. not quite as, uh, it's not quite as fine tuned from that standpoint. But again, it's such a helpful tool that it's worth it. And we have not had any issues. I will say this from the virtual reality piece of it, we have had nobody ever say in this year that we've done it, this is not what I thought it was going to look like. Oh, that's great. So, yes. uh-huh. so huge testament. Whereas sometimes maybe with a rendering, which actually that very rarely happens too, but if someone's going to get real nitpicky on the vase or the, the virtual reality piece of it, they are so encompassed with the just the moving around in the space and like, and how real that feels. And then when they walk into their space, they're like, yeah, this is exactly how I knew it was going to be. Sometimes that brings up another question because sometimes as designers, I feel like that can be a little bit like sad for us in a sense of like, there's not like that big reveal. The big reveal. Yeah. I'll be honest. I've admitted this before. I don't do the big reveals. I don't know why it feels so we like don't either. too much. It's too much tension for me. Like I just, no, we don't do the big reveals. So for, we don't really either anymore. We used to, when we were just doing a one room thing, but logistically for us anymore, it's I can't figure out 
It's a nightmare. How people do this. It's a nightmare. Same. So I feel like for us, it works because our clients are, they feel so much more settled and not nervous and not, it takes away that anxiousness or that anxiety for them. And so it makes our job easier. I would love to hear, I would bet they buy more from you. Um, Yes. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I would, right. If I really understood like, oh, Ellie was talking about needing another chair. I totally get that. We need that chair. Wow. I'm so glad Uh she mentioned that. Right. We get, and we get more repeats that I'm seeing people have reached out because let's also face it. You're doing a massive renovation. You're doing a new build. Pretty much everyone by the end of it, like they've spent a lot of money. If you're going to go and like that one extra chair, they're like, forget it. Like I am at my max. Yes. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of, you know, like tired of writing checks. Take a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need a break. I need people out of my space. You know, six months down the road, we just got one yesterday, reached out. Hey, it's been a year. Actually, it's been a year since we finished quote unquote finished, right? There were things that we had said, you know, you're going to want this, you're going to need this, you know, but I get it. We need a break. They're back. And they're yep. like, yep, we're ready now. And they already um, envision it. That That's the incredible yep. part. Really? Yeah. Do you bake the service into your projects or is it an optional item? So it's optional. I really would love to get to this point where we are baking it in because I, like I said, I'm better. I'm better for my clients when I have it and when we do it. So I feel like it is, it, do you I think would that's like a cost issue. Do you think if you, if you got better, more streamlined or if the systems, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's a new enough world. And Ellie and I were talking about this earlier that technology is changing every day and things mm-hmm. get easier and easier. I'm wondering if, if it's a learning curve combined with an actual equipment cost. I mean, I remember I actually was looking at a VR system when I was doing looking into this for you. And I'm thinking, wow, they're a lot cheaper than when I bought my son's, right? Yes. Same system. Yes. But yes. he's had his for five years. Yeah. I would think you would get to a point where you could bake it in. And if for no other reason than your better, your projects are more successful, more elevated because of it. Yes. And I think we, I agree with you. I think that that would be a goal for sure. We did kind of play, we're playing along with, with one of those right now. As a matter of fact, we're doing a new build and I'm using this kind of as a, like, I'm not charging the client to build it out like we are, but I'm paying attention to how much extra time does it really take and all of those pieces. I mean, we know, again, like I said, we do it by square footage, but that's tricky too, because yes. you might have a client who, you know, like, let's say you're doing the whole house, but like 2000 square feet of it is the basement and you're not doing that much different in the basement. Well, you're not going to charge all that. It's not going to take as much time. Right. So I kind of do figure it out. I start with square footage, but I kind of do also with scope of work, try to figure out how much time it's going to take. Right. Because a family room with an eight foot flat ceiling is going to take a lot less work than a family room with a vaulted ceiling that goes up to 16 feet. Right. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, I I would think, and you know what, look, we, we talk about pricing a lot on this podcast and it will always be an ongoing conversation, but I, I am like Ellie, I will do a square footage and then I evaluate it. Yep. Because and I have to, 
You mm-hmm. have to, because no two yep. square feet are the same, frankly. Yep, exactly. As far as complexity, amount of detail, all of that, especially if you're doing something like, you know, trying to actually do essentially photorealistic rendering of something. That's that's a totally different beast. Exactly. Yes. And then the other piece of it that you have to consider too is, okay, so when you're presenting to the client and they come in and, you know, you're always making tweaks up until, you know, up until... The moment you're like, okay, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, they're like, oh, can I see it if you move the wall this way a little bit? Or can I see it if you lower it this way? Oh, can I, you know? Well, that um, leads to my next question. Like, can you do that on the fly while they're there? Yes. It's amazing. And so, and that leads me to when I first started doing even renderings, I outsourced them. And I loved, I mean, the woman I used to outsource, she's fabulous. And so she got me going in that, but I then for me realized that two things, one, when I'm presenting to be able to change on the spot is huge because what I would have to do then when I did that is I'd have to take the notes, I'd have to go back to her and then I'd have to fit into her schedule because she had a lot of others. So, you know, the clients would have to wait and then obviously then the builders, everybody's waiting. So I knew we needed to bring it in house for us at some point. And then secondly, that was the other piece of it where I then, as we're, you know, as we're all sitting around, we're brainstorming, right? You're looking at someone's like, well, what if we moved the window that what does that change for this? And then how does that change this? And where does that put the bed or the drapery or, you know, all of those pieces. So in order to do that right there, and then that just, again, speeds up the process of making decisions or the client can see, oh yeah, okay, I don't like it like that. So let's move it back, you know, that type of thing. So to me, that piece of it's huge to be able to do it right then and there. You have a designer that can do that for you. Yeah. Yes, okay. I do. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Right. And that's the other thing. So I will say that I don't do the physical part of it myself. I'm right. the one looking at it, like then doing the design stuff. I tried so this is for anybody who is like, I can't do this. Okay. I tried multiple times and a lot during COVID. I was like, this is it. This is my time to learn these programs. I know I can do this. I can do this. I would sit down to do it. And I do not have the patience for it. It is not in my wheelhouse to, okay. I try, I tried, And that's when I knew I got to hire somebody because I want to provide this for my clients. I want to take this to the next level. I want, you know, but I clearly am not the one that's going to do it. It's so tedious to me. It's so, oh yeah. my gosh, it just, I cannot. But she is fabulous at it. And like you said, she can go faster and faster the more she does it. Exactly. Um, and so if I'm not touching it for a month, you know, you're relearning. Frankly, she can get in those programs and click, click, click around. You need someone below yeah. your skill set to be doing that anyway, because you shouldn't be doing it. You know, that is the one problem yes. I had when I, uh, again, I went to school in the dark ages. We had four classes of drafting. Three were hand drafting. Yes. One was of AutoCAD. It was that new. I think it was released yeah. 12. Doesn't even exist. So, but by the time <laughs> I was hired by firms and then promoted, I was getting promoted away from being trained yes. in AutoCAD. And so my yes. skills are very, well, at this point, they're almost gone, but I, I know enough to be extraordinarily dangerous on an AutoCAD mm-hmm. program because I'll screw things up in a nanosecond. 
But I do regret that. I regret that, you know, had I, I mean, gosh, five years after I graduated, you know, it's the reverse, you know, it's all AutoCAD and some. Yeah. So that is Uh my only regret is I I agree with you. People are like, Renee, you should get SketchUp. It's so much easier. You can, you can learn it on the fly. And I've done those, you know, free trials and all that. And like you, I'm like, I can figure this out. I could do AutoCAD back when it was really complicated. And I don't have the patience. I'm like, I know what I wanted to do. And why can't I make it do that? Yes. Yes. And that's where I was finding, I was getting in the weeds and I was like, this is absolutely insane. I'd much rather pay someone else to do it. Yep, exactly. And it, and it's great. And once I got over, because I had like kind of an inferiority complex with it, to be honest, where I was like, kind of embarrassed. How can I not do that? Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yep. But I can draft it. I and honestly, I can't even really do that to be honest with you. I'm like, those are not my skills, right? I can see it in my head, right? <laughs> but that's not the help skills anybody. you have, yes, yes. But exactly. you know, and to those listening, I bet you could find a virtual assistant that could do that remotely, even on the fly with a client in your office. Okay, and you bring up a good point because this was before COVID, right? So, we I wasn't doing Zoom. But now you're right. That virtual assistant is on the Zoom and is you're a hundred percent right about that. And I hadn't even thought about that. You could outsource yeah, you're that, right. schedule the appointment, yes. make them online at the same time, making all the live corrections or changes. Yes. And yes. what an amazing offer for a client. Now I have a lot of knowledge of architects. And if you started moving windows, they'd probably crucify you. But I I think it's a great idea because often it is the window placement that is hanging something up on the inside. Because as I always say, architects look outside in, designers look inside out. But I think that is, I I mean, trust me, I've just now added to my to-do list because I think this is really amazing. And it's also, I'm always pushing designers to to go beyond just their clients for referrals, you know, hoping that they're going to tell their sister or Mm. their colleague and who knows if their price points are the same, you know, the whole thing. But industry partners, architects, builders, they're your people because guess the only people they work with are potential clients of yours, right? Yep. And if you can present to an architect or particularly a builder, architects, I know there are some that listen. I apologize in advance, but sometimes you don't want our help. But builders do, for sure. They want our help because they aren't, like Ellie just said, I wasn't trained to do, you know, AutoCAD. Builders are not trained with people skills to sell design. They are not. They are trained, highly trained to build homes safely and to code. And so if you can come to a builder and say, this is a technology that my firm offers and I can help explain, like Ellie said in that great example, is that vaulted ceiling going to continue into the next room? I don't know a single builder would say, no, I, I don't see any use in having that that you know available to me. There's no way. A builder would be like, oh, hell yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what the feedback that we've gotten and, it, and again, it's slow. I will yep. say it is sl- it is slow, like slowly, but surely they are starting to refer us or they are starting to reach out to us and be like, can you you know, help with it? We are actually going to be in the Home Builders Association, um, a builder show this weekend, the home, the home show this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. We're, we've got a booth. We're bringing the contraption and we're next to the booth next to us is a builder. 
the, the booth that on the other side is a con- some contractor. So it's like the hope is that like the more we can get it out there, the more you know understandable it is to them, and the more where they see again us as a resource, yes, and as a help to them because when they're in the middle of the project, they aren't getting the change orders in the and and again like you said, they're not equipped. And maybe they are, you know, some, some might be, but they don't want to, they don't, their, their interest isn't in helping, you know, Mary figure out where she's going to put her bed, you know, like, so they gloss over those things. And you're right. There are some builders who will do that, but the majority of them, whether they can or not, that's not what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they get, you know, they might start off doing it, but like halfway through the project, they're like, I don't have time for this. Correct. Yes. You know, so and here's another thing. And I think I've mentioned this before. There's one or two architects who will never be named who will reach out to me and send me their plans and say, Hey, Renee, can you, I mean, they're mm. never telling the client this, they will send me, I, yeah, we, I charge by the hour for them or I a package number and they'll say, look through this and tell me, is there something with, you know, the flow, is there something you don't see? Where is the bed going to go in these spaces? And it's just a service. And it it came about organically. Like I, Mm -hmm. the first one, it was, we were on a project and he was like, oh, you think the bed's going to go there, Renee? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course it is because of X and Y and Z. And he's like, huh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, now I see it. And Mm -hmm. he was like, and I said, look, if you ever have a job, I honestly started doing it as a favor because he gave me good work. This Mm -hmm. was a way I could, you know, return the favor. And eventually he's like, you know, you can charge me for this. I'm like, great, I'm going to charge you for that. But same with a builder. I mean, you could offer that service in, so they could basically package it as in-house service. Mm -hmm. That would be a lead for you to, to get an introduction to some of these clients. Yes. And that is, and one builder has brought me in on, on a couple of his like new client meetings. Right. And introduced me and they, they hire me on this, you know, as an extra or on the side, but I would love, yes, for it to get to be like, I think it makes more sense on his part to like build it in to his process and almost go the route of this is how we do new builds now. Correct. And you know, this makes him stand out amongst his competitors. I have a feeling Mm -hmm. you're, um, I actually would like to see if a photograph of your home builder's booth, because I think there's going to be a line of guys waiting to put these, the headset on. I really do. Well, I, I, we, we hope so. Cause we're like, who knows how this, we've never done this. We're like, who knows how this is going to go. So we'll see. Word will spread. <laughs> I, Cause I, I've been to a lot of home builder shows. They're pretty boring. They're pretty standard. Okay. <laughs> right. And so anything new, especially in technology usually draws attention, yes. but this is also something that can help them. And, and like I always tell everyone listening, these guys want to know how we can help make their lives easier. And this is yes. a no brainer. It's high technology. Mm-hmm. Obviously it comes as, at, as an, at an expense, yes. but frankly, someone building a new home is already on board yes. for a big expense. Yes. Yes. I agree. And I think they feel like it is money well spent and worth it to not, I mean, they are so afraid to make a mistake, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So to to keep them comfortable and feeling like, oh gosh, I'm not making a mistake, I think it has been for us something that they've been willing to, sure. to add. I would say a large renovation, a, an expensive kitchen, you yes. know, a new build. Yep. 
maybe not for your living room, redesign a right. furniture, right? Yep. Although mm-hmm. I can think of a client who would actually love to have that just for that. But that's the anomaly, not the norm. But yes. so the other question I wanted to ask is about AI, because I have, I fully admit, I, I jumped on board when ChatGPT came into existence. I find it really interesting, definitely with limitations, but I definitely think it has elevated some of my writing, some of my you know projects that I've worked on. Never have I ever, you know, just copied and pasted. It's to me, it's still flawed in that way, but it does, you know, reword things or it brings up other topics. You're like, oh yeah, that's an interesting angle. I could explore that further. So I've just barely, I won't even admit how much I have spent trying to create rooms, mainly because I don't want designers to be afraid of this technology. And Mm -hmm. I I have had designers really be freaking out, thinking their business is going to go away. And I, I firmly do not believe that at all. I think maybe certain parts, maybe, you know, e-design perhaps, but even still until it becomes something that, that people can do pretty easily on their own, I I just don't Mm -hmm. see it. So I like to embrace things. I like to say, okay, how can I implement it in my existing firm and offer something to my clients? Renderings, I think may be at risk because of the AI, because it's essentially Mm -hmm. rendering. But first of all, do you use any of those AI I don't know what they're called. Is it AI drawing, AI room, right? Like room yeah. designs. I do like the the goofs. You know, like you'll have like a yeah a waterfall <laughs> that's coming like out of nowhere. You know, yes. And there's there's someone and I'm blanking who it is on Instagram that basically does it intentionally, and she's like find the flaw, and it's oh, it's like funny. one of those where's Waldo, and I'm always looking at it going, I'm gonna find it, I'm gonna find it, and more often than not, I'm like I can't find it. You know, it's so good that I I miss it. But do That's you funny. see being able to combine or do you see any, you know, evolution in the AI world that would help you use the VR, oh. VR system? So that's uh, OK. There is this thing. Well, a couple of things. I agree with you on the AI stuff. I think that there's a way to make it a friend to us, you yes. know, versus e- totally another resource, um, like you said. And I've played around with it as well. I am not good at it because again, it's using our words to convey what's in our head, which if, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to come up with like the whole stream that you're supposed to say, although you can keep, you know, changing it. Yeah, but then do this. Yeah, but then do this. So I do see there's some people that are really, really good at it. So I don't know. Leslie Carruthers is who I follow on Facebook and he's been like a, a champion in like the AI metaverse kind of whole thing. I took her class on this whole metaverse thing. And it is pretty fascinating where there is, I do think there is going to be a place for it. It still to me feels too maybe animated or too cartoony. Yep. Yes. Um, But I definitely, again, see where, yeah, I mean, as it evolves, I do think it's going to get better and better. I'm with you also where I don't think it's going to, for those of us who are doing the, the very much personal interaction with our clients and like to get it done, to actually get it done is a whole different ballgame than to have the plan or have the, the vision, right? Um, so I think that, you know, the, our jobs are still secure in that sense. 
but I do see where there's benefits of being able to show a client like in about two seconds. Right. Here's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a tone on tone wall painting situation where, or, you know, sometimes my clients will still struggle with, wait, what you want to paint the base trim and the crown mold. You want to paint everything all the same color. I'm like, yeah, here's a picture. Right. And they're like, yep. Oh, I see. So, well, sure. How many designers listening have heard the, Oh, this is what you were talking about. Right. And you're like, exactly. I thought I got that explained pretty well. And they're like, yeah, I just couldn't totally picture it, but I went with it because I trust you. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So I totally see that. I mean, as a benefit. And it's going to be less costly than say a VR. So it could be that midpoint, right? Where you could offer AI as one level of service if they're not, you know, if they're, if they're say just decorating or, you know, just doing a small renovation and don't need necessarily the VR. So I I could see it almost in combination with it. Yes, I think for sure, almost in your conceptual phase. So for us, you know, we do a conceptual design phase and then a detailed design phase. So in that conceptual design phase, as opposed to like using Pinterest or in combo, whatever, you know, you're using that, that AI piece of it as like, here's kind of what my brain is seeing for your space. Perfect. You know, idea. how are you yes. feeling about this? Right. And then you take that vision and, and you know, it incorporate it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I definitely see it. And for those who are still worrying, I, I do. I was just thinking this. I remember, like I just said, I started in the drafting time. And when CAD really took off, many, many firms were terrified that they were going to close. Hmm. Now, what did close were a lot of the print shops that actually printed out on the, the, I can't remember what it's called, with the purple and all of the ammonia smelling. It was terrible. But you know what I saw? I saw draftsmen learn how to do AutoCAD. And then they evolved. And I, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, the evolution of when 3D renderings came in, people were worried that AutoCAD was going to go away. No, they then learned that new skill. And I I think it's going to continue doing that. So those Mm -hmm. 3D renderers are now going to offer AI. And, you know, and I think it just keeps continually building. Mm -hmm. I I just don't see a need to be scared of it. I see it as a tool. I agree. I agree. I think the tool piece of it, and as soon as you kind of wrap your brain around that, like it's another resource and it's a tool um, that can make our jobs easier. Absolutely easier to make the client happy. <laughs> and anytime we can convey a message before it's built, it's cheaper. Yes. Yes. It just is. Yes. A line on a drawing costs nothing next to nothing That's to move. Right. But yes. a wall, when the client walks in and is like, what the hell is this wall? And you're like, well, it's the same line you've been looking at for a year on a set of drawings. And you're like, oh no, no, this room's too small. <laughs> well, fine. Let's change it. Yeah. Let yes. me get you that change order. It's going to cost you. That's right. And and yeah. slow down your project. And slow down so, your project, which will cost I you think. on some other end, right? If you're renting right. or you haven't sold your house. And yes. Yes. Yep. Wow. So we've talked a little bit about it, but where do you, what's your plan now that you've done it for a year, you've got kind of a comfort zone. You've got a team that understands it mm-hmm. and supports it and sells it. You're going to a building show. What's your goal? What's your goal for next year? Oh, I think our goal would be uh, to probably build in the service, kind of like you said, like maybe not be for our new builds, I would say for our new builds and our renovations, it'd be something that like 
this is just our process. This is how we do business. Right. Because we see the value and we see how it helps everybody. Because I will say this, I'm not looking at it as a moneymaker, I suppose. And let's face it, like we are doing this job to make money. I, you know, I'm not, it's, it is not a hobby. I want to, you know, I make money for my time and my product and, you know, services and all of that, right? So I guess I look at it, it's a service. It's a, it's an exceptional service that we can offer our clients that makes a difference for them and for their project. And so I feel like it should be, I think kind of going that route to where it's built into those projects. It just, that's probably my goal is to, to somehow figure out (laughs) how to build it in and, and sell it as such. So well, it's, um, and, and, it's, it's essentially marketing. We have to invest in marketing. That's it. We don't always get the money back or we don't see yeah. that we got the money back from that piece of marketing, but it, it's right. marketing. It's marketing your services. It's marketing the design. You know, it depends on who you're, you're putting it to, whether it's the client, then it's selling the design. If it's a builder, you're selling your services. That's right. And so I think that's probably more, uh, I mean, and I have been, like I said, I've been like, you know, meeting with builders, meeting with architects, um, one-on-one, but I think we're going to have to ramp it up again, you know, and, you know, you know how it is. You always like focus on something for a hot minute and then life and work takes over and it gets put to the side. So I think that is probably it more so is, you know, really getting it kind of like this home show, like getting it out there for people to actually put on and try, um, and walk through it. Because again, it is, it is hard in a, in a normal marketing sense to convey what it really is. Oh yeah. And even, even for me, I I remember when my son was pitching for, I think it was Christmas present that he wanted this VR and I, you know, I go online, I looked at the videos. I was like, okay, I I don't quite get it. I mean, it's looks cool. Then he got it luckily from a grandparent and I put it on. I'm like, holy cow, this is insane. You really don't understand it until you put it on. It is so true. It is so true. Um, another quick point, though, to your comment when we were talking offline before, um, how it can make you kind of nauseous. That is actually legit. And we yep. have to that is that is another tricky part. We have and we found here's a little tip for anybody. We have little those mints, you know, those like uh, mints that, you know, your grandparents always had the yes. um, red and white ones. <laughs> so we have those on a bowl for every present or in a bowl for every presentation. Because it can make you feel a little bit nauseous, which is, which actually stinks because it is great. But like, if you're kind of maybe prone to like motion sickness or like if you read, if you read in a car and it kind of makes you nauseous, this can happen. And so a little mints help tremendously. Yep. So we always offer our clients for like, here's, I've done this, you're doing this (laughs) and it'll help you. So yeah, there is that piece of it that. And and I've researched it and I've read like that that is legit. That is something that like, and we keep thinking, okay, someday they're going to come up with something to where that doesn't feel like that anymore, but we'll see. We'll see. And then you mentioned you might be doing some outsourcing. So does that mean that a designer could use you guys as a VA? Yes, exactly. So we are, yes. So that's something that we're, you know, you know, starting to wrap our brains around where, you know, that's another service piece that we are going to be offering. And it would be to where, yes, if they want us to build out, you know, what they need in those programs. And then the difference is 
they would have to have those programs in order to, you know, once we send it to them, then they have to be able to, you know, connect the pieces so that they can then show their client that way. It's not like, you know, a normal rendering thing where you can send a screenshot of it. Right. Yeah. Because it's the whole view. But yeah, so we're playing with how to how to do that. That hopefully will be, I'd say, probably like March-ish maybe that we would be having that up and running and, and have that honed in a little bit more. Wow. Yeah. And that's just like an AutoCAD. I mean, if I want to, you know, change a drawing, I need to have the AutoCAD program for the architecture. Exactly. So that's, exactly. that's a traditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny. We were having some technical difficulties before we got started. And I told Ellie, I said, the world is so different now. When technical issues happen, most people, of course, not everyone, most people are very uh, understanding, flexible. Yeah, I got it. No worries. Because we're all experiencing that. I, I can't figure out my phone every time there's an update, right? And so everybody has a phone, everybody gets updates, and they all go through the same process. So I think that that world at least has been kinder to those of us who, like me, are better on a job site than we are behind a computer. Yes, yes, because I was having ridiculously minor technical difficulties with my AirPods connecting. I mean, yeah, we can do the virtual reality, but we can't get (laughs) our AirPods connected. So There you have it. <laughs> and tomorrow will be something else. So no, it's totally that's, yes. that's the problem. We're surrounded by right. high tech objects that we just want to turn on and make them work. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't want yes. to know There's how it does. Of, yeah. yeah, we just want to problem talk. solving. Right. That's right. That's right. So right. yes, to have someone patient on your team that yeah. will problem solve that for you is huge. Yes. I usually consider it someone much younger than me. <laughs> um, yes, that is, she is. Her name is Elizabeth on my team. And yes, she is 24 years old. So right. huge. Yes, yes. Huge difference. My mm-hmm. husband always says if our daughter can parlay her TikTok uh, skills into a job, <laughs> she's going to be highly successful, right? Yes. Yep. And she will be able to. <laughs> yes. That's the well, thing. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So Ellie, what else, what do you want to, to leave designers with uh, aside from this kind of really extraordinary idea on, on how to take this technology that a lot of our kids are using to play games on and, and really harness it for a powerful marketing tool for our firms? I think if it's something that, you know, piques your interest, I'd say take that first step and start researching and start learning. And uh, I think it's well worth it. It is, like we said, it's a time commitment and it's, you know, something that doesn't just happen overnight. But I think it is, there was um, a, a, somebody on a panel, a high level designer on a panel that I was at, um, and he said, he really believes there will be a time where traditional, you know, design processes will be left behind and you're going to have to get on board with some of these things, kind of like you said, like the AI and even, and, and I, I do count this as one of them, not that you have to do this or you won't have a job, obviously, but if I just think, you know, dipping your toes in and starting to learn and get curious is I'd say start that. And if it's something that you just struggle with and can't then outsource it, 
don't just say, oh, I, I can't do it. And so that's not going to be part of my practice because I do think it is, it, it, it sets you apart. And, and there will be a point where like almost everybody will be doing it. So, you know, I'd say just start heading that direction with it and, and start small and outsource. And that starts opening your eyes to the possibilities, I think. And that's how I started. I never, ever thought this is what we would be doing in home. Right. So yes. I'd say and I think get some curious. Of our, I think some of our best business decisions end up being that. And of course, that's hindsight, right? I mean, if you had told yes. me, Renee, I see you're going to do a podcast in the future, I would have said, you've got to be kidding me. But right. I can't imagine not doing it. And and the yes. the exciting people I've met, like Ellie, and the experiences I've had, it just, again, you know, it's taking that fear and harnessing it a little and saying, I'm going to listen to it, but I'm not going to let it stop me. Yes, I think that's it, because it is nerve wracking. Yeah, I mean, and I think also, I think something that I've noticed, not like you're saying with the podcast and everything, it's regular people doing things Yes, that we watch and look at and think they were regular ones, right? But we see it and we think, oh gosh, you know, how did they do that? Oh, they must have had, you know, this training or that training or this connection or whatever. It really comes from, like you said, like curiosity. You're going to be a little bit nervous and a little bit scared and it is nerve wracking. It's still nerve wracking for us. I mean, we plug that thing in and we're like, I hope it works, you know? Yep. Yep. So it's just know that like, it's, yeah, if you've got the curiosity and you want to do better and, you know, have a better outcome for your clients and, and make your life a little bit easier too, that, you know, you, you start somewhere and you just don't make yourself feel like it has to be, you know, you give yourself a goal of a year and you work on it. You make mistakes. You learn from them. Yes. Yeah. Make mistakes. You do. You make a lot of mistakes. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's a huge, a huge piece of it is just knowing that it, it takes time and don't stress yourself out with it, but, you know, learn a bit here and there each week. And there's a lot of info out there. There really is. Okay. Once you start digging, once you start digging, there's a lot of information that is helpful information. So, and I, my favorite is always, you know, that quote, overnight success. And then you hear an interview with them and they're like, well, 10 years ago, I started. And you're like, yes. They just, you just meet them. You see the promotion when they've hit success, but it's not overnight. Yes. It's a slow exactly. burn over time. Yes. And yes. Not, I don't know anyone who's been successful in their career that wouldn't say that. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's a, I think that's, you know, the misconceiving part of obviously Instagram and things is that we look at that and we get that whole imposter syndrome and we see, oh gosh, look what they're doing. Oh gosh, look what they're doing. You know, but you know, everybody's doing their good work within their, you know, community or their realm of what they're working on. And, and there's always room to, to improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ellie, I can't thank you enough. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by the concept. And and I know others will be as well because we're always looking not not always for the next great thing, but this is this isn't the next great thing. This is an amazing tool that can help verbalize our visions that sometimes we struggle putting words to, or we do put words to it, and the homeowner doesn't get it for a hundred different reasons, and many of which we talked about. So I, I think this is something that is worth really looking into. And I, while I'm not sure, I totally agree with the man who thinks 
this will, you know, have to be a part of it. I don't <laughs> see a downside to having it exactly. as a part, right? And so if there's no right. downside other than the learning curve, then I then to me it's all upside. Yeah. And if you can yeah. differentiate and which is what I'm always saying, like if you take on construction management, you're on you're automatically differentiating yourself from our insanely oversaturated industry and mm. offering a service to a client that can't get it from a lot of your competitors. And it's frankly not why I do it, but boy, that's a perk, right? That my sure. clients my clients never leave. Like Ellie mentioned, they call you back up and they're like, Hey, you remember that? We're gonna go forward. And mm -hmm. the good and the bad, I work with clients for a decade or more. And because they don't need to call anyone else. And so if you have this tool on, on how to project literally your visions in, in a 3D fashion they can walk through, I think that's just really awesome. I think it's actually more awesome than AI. Oh, good. I, I agree. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I, yeah, because it's real. Yes. It's like literally real. It's yeah. their space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you probably yeah. have to have them in a space where they can put their hands out and not touch things and not walk <laughs> into doors and walls. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it takes some from experience. Sure. When I get on my sons, I tend to walk into the coffee table each yes. time. <laughs> so, yes. So we now we've learned um, we have them sitting. We don't have oh, them standing. Smart. It makes it helps. Mm -hmm. And that would help with the dizziness as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We've learned a few tricks like that. <laughs> See? Yes. You learn the hard way, typically. Yes, we have. And yep. as long as you just don't make that same mistake twice, then it was a lesson learned. That's right. That's yeah. right. This was great. And Ellie, I just I just love, and, and I know I, I say this a lot, but I'm just so... I get so excited about the designers I meet across the country and, and actually across the world that are so willing to share what's working for them so that other designers can implement it and have it work for them as well. Because Ellie and I both agree that it's community over competition. Yes, a hundred percent agree. And I, again, have learned so much from everybody over the years and will continue on these podcasts and want to be able to, to hopefully do that for others as well. Right. Exactly. We all pay it forward. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Ellie, so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you heard something that you can apply to a project today. If you're ready to increase your construction projects in your business, check out the details on my signature course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. It's a six-part digital course that will save you a three-year learning curve, get you profitable, bring in an income and lifestyle that makes sense for you by learning the top strategies, what works and what doesn't, building your confidence so you're no longer paddling to stay afloat or worse, learning how to manage construction on a client's project. Through the course, I'm handing over 30 years of top strategies and advice. Head to my website, devinyedesign.com for more details on the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management and become educated and empowered for your next construction project.